This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with your host, Trisha Coyote. This just seems like a conversation that needs to be had and a topic that needs to be covered. And I'm hoping that whoever is listening to this will, um, I guess, not learn something is not what I'm aiming at because I'm not here to teach anything about the exam, but just feel seen and, and heard and know that if you're preparing for the exam and you have fears or if you have failed the exam and you're, you're waiting to take it again or anything like that, um, there is hope and there is time and uh, you're not alone. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're having a wonderful day and a fabulous week. Today's episode is with me, your host, Trisha Coyote. You're probably pretty familiar with my voice if you listen to the show. But if this is your first time here, welcome. This is the Music Therapy Chronicles. We have uh, guest interviews on the show almost weekly. But this year, 2021, I have challenged myself to post at least one solo episode a quarter. Um, So this is just a challenge for me to get out of my comfort zone, to have the opportunity to share some more of my experiences and stories. Um, I really try and not do that uh, to take up too much time in the interview episodes, but um, there is, I always tell the guests, there is so much value in sharing our stories and what they have to say is important, no matter their their training, their experiences, what they might think about their ability to share and the importance of their experiences. So I need to do that as well. So welcome to our solo episode. Um, thank you so much for listening today to today's episode um, and supporting the show. If you aren't already subscribed, please do that so you never miss an episode. You can also find us online and on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. And we have a Facebook group. You're welcome to join or, uh, yeah, you're welcome to join and either start or join a um, conversation about any of the topics in the show. Uh, We'll see if this topic gets any conversation going because it certainly has elsewhere. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com and by checking out our pod courses over at mtpodcastcollective.com. Um, The Music Therapy Podcast Collective, or MTPC, is a platform that Kate Shannon of Creative Therapy Umbrella and I started last year um, in order to create pod courses so that you, the listener, can get CMTEs for listening to the show. We are so excited to have newly 
uh, onboarded some some new podcasts and be able to offer pod courses from a variety of music therapy shows so you can get diverse content about a wide range of topics and support the shows that you you know and love we're excited to have the podcasting community um supporting each other through mtpc and are excited to see it grow our initiatives include quality cmdes we feel that podcasts really put the emphasis on human experience and therefore not always having to have a curated course um you know obviously the pod courses are curated based on the podcast episodes but the meat of the course is those podcast episodes and those are based in human experience and conversations about them uh, we also are focused on sustainability we want we all love doing our shows. We want to continue doing them. Uh, and in order to do that, this is a business venture that we're embarking on to hopefully continue to put out our podcasts into the world. Um, it's not free to do this. It's extremely time consuming and becomes more and more so the deeper we get in. So again, if you're looking for a way to support the show, purchasing a pod course uh, is one of the best ways to do that. So please consider checking those out. And our last initiative is accessibility. We think that uh, pod courses are an accessible media outlet. That's why we all chose podcasting versus other options of media outlets. Uh, we like to keep our pod courses accessible monetarily. Um, whenever we launch a new set of courses, the whole shop goes on sale. And that's a great way to get bulk course, um, bulk CMTEs, excuse me, for a reasonable price. And as we move forward, we're excited to donate a portion of our proceeds to scholarly research, to scholarships for students and interns, and um, yeah, to be able to continue to give back to the music therapy community in that way. So all that being said, if you haven't checked out MT Podcast Collective or listened to the episodes about MTPC on this show already, that was a rant I didn't expect to go on, or a tangent, I guess it wasn't a rant. <laughs> Um, warming myself up for this episode, guys, to speak with my microphone and not have a guest with me. But anyway, really excited and passionate about MTPC and all the potential that has, and um, I'm excited to see it grow. So please check that out. Uh, and yeah, let's get into today's topic. So you likely read the title for today's episode and know that I'm going to be talking about my experience failing the board exam the first time I took it. And this is a topic that for a long time, I held a lot of shame around. Um, I did not admit this to people or bring it up or uh, think about it very often other than when I was living it. And um yeah, I've kind of just come to the point where having this show and talking to many people, um, it, this just seems like a conversation that needs to be had and a topic that needs to be covered. And I'm hoping that whoever is listening to this will, um, I guess, not learn something is not what I'm aiming at because I'm not here to teach anything about the exam, but just feel seen and, and heard and know that if you're preparing for the exam and you have fears or if you have failed the exam and you're you're waiting to take it again or anything like that, um, 
there is hope and there is time and uh, you're not alone. You're, you're not alone in any way. I'm, I'm not here to put up any type of facade, I guess. And this is a way of me breaking down that wall, being vulnerable and saying, I failed. I tried and I failed at a big part of um, becoming a music therapist. And this is my story. So I, I will say I passed the exam the second time I took it. So I, I am a board certified music therapist in case that was unclear. Um, but my internship leading up to the exam, uh, and I think for many people, this is the case. My internship was a time of real soul searching and um, becoming self-aware and having experiences that were drastically different than anything I'd had before this point in life. Um, for some background, I was the only intern at my facility. Uh, I was with a supervisor. I was her first intern. Um, so it was initially very isolating. Oh, and I also was with a population that I had, I had never worked with before. Or population is not the right word to use. I was working with a, a clientele, group of clientele that I had not previously had experience with. So everything was very new. It was very isolating. My internship was supervisor was learning along with me and bless her. She did an amazing job. And I, there are so many times I wish I could go back and learn the lessons deeper that I was there to learn. Um, but I grew a lot as a person during that experience. And I think that this will make more sense as we get further into this topic, into this story. But when the time came to start preparing for my board exam, I, um, I went to the CBMT website and I, I purchased one of their pretests. Here, I'll put a little disclaimer that this is in no way um, an episode to bash CBMT, to bash the exam, or to um, give any insights or solutions on how to make this system better. Um, I think that there should be a way for all music therapists across the country to be board certified, to have a standard. Do I think sitting down and taking an exam is the best way to do that? No. And there are people who are much smarter than me and much further along in their music therapy careers than me working on this problem. So I just want to put that out there that uh, please don't misunderstand anything I say. This is just to share my experience and um, hope that you feel connection through it. Anyway, back to what I was saying. I purchased one of the CBMT pretests to uh, study for the exam um, because although there were lots of resources online at the time, I it was very clear that um, these resources kind of had to disclose that they were not affiliated with CBMT and CBMT did not endorse the material that they provided. So you know, myself being a good student and all that, I thought, okay, well, I don't want to confuse myself with any information that CBMT does not endorse. So I'm going to take the CBMT pretest and that should prepare me. And, you know, they, they make the pretest, they make the test. So that should prepare me for what I need to know and tell me where I'm at. So uh, at the time they had two pretests. I, I'm not sure if they still do, but they had two. I purchased one of them. Um, I don't think it was inexpensive for being an unpaid intern, I'll say that. Uh, but I did fairly well on the pretest. There was, uh, it was broken down well into different areas based on the domains, and um, I saw where I was struggling the most and studied those questions and um, 
those areas. Uh, most of them, I'll say, were music theory related because I hadn't sat with music theory much in uh, at least a year, if not longer. So I felt good knowing that taking the pretest for the first time, I, I had done pretty well. I studied up on my theory and uh, finished my internship and was excited to take the the board exam very soon after that. Um, I know a lot of people talk about how much time did you take between your internship and the exam and how did you study and how much time did you take to study and everyone is different. Uh, I took virtually no time to study <laughs> again because I had done well on this pre-test pre and studied what I had missed and felt confident going into into the, the actual exam. So we all know what happens, but <laughs> for this episode, I actually rummaged around and found my journal um, from this time in my life. And especially after, if you listen to my recent episode with, um, with Fleur and Chelsea, uh, we talked about journaling and having that to look back on. So in the interest of authenticity and vulnerability, uh, that's what I've done for you, you today. And I'm, I'm going to read you the passage uh, from my journal the day after my exam and it says I did not pass the CBMT exam yesterday I was in shock denial and felt very defeated I have to wait 30 days to take it again I have to pay yeah, the amount of money it costed then more and again just finished an unpaid internship, paid for this pretest, paid for my first version of the exam, and um, you know had to pay this again, which is a whole other story. I know people, many people struggle with this part of the the process if you fail and have to continue to pay these fees. Anyway, <laughs> try not to get distracted again. I have to get at least two more questions right to pass. I'm trying to be positive about it. I get to try again. I get to do better. I'm trying to silence, silence that voice in my head saying that this is another opportunity to fail. I hadn't even considered failing this first attempt. Like I said, I was in shock. I don't like that the exam is still looming over my head, but maybe actually studying will help bring structure and productivity to my days here. And then I wrote myself a reminder. This is happening for me, not to me. I'm not sure yet the lesson to be learned. Maybe humility. I guess I'll see. So that was my, my journal entry um, the day after passing the exam. I'm sorry, the day after not passing the exam, the day after my first attempt. Um, and, and reading that back, honestly, it doesn't have as much raw emotion as I remember feeling. Um, I was in complete denial when I got my paper back. I remember I walked out of the exam room. Um, they printed the results for me, and I saw that I had failed by two questions. And my immediate reaction was, well, let me back in the room. And I will figure, like I will fix a couple questions. And obviously, that was completely irrational thinking. Um I got in my car and cried and drove home and um, yeah, there were a lot of very heavy emotions that day. Of course, people knew I was taking the exam. I had to say like, look, I, I didn't pass. I'm not board certified. I am not an MTBC. And 
I also wanted to take the exam right away. I was like, oh, I can schedule it again for next week. I can do better. I can get those two more questions. Um, but the rule at the time was you had to wait 30 days for another attempt. And in hindsight, I'm very grateful for that because uh, just like I said in this journal entry, I, I did dig my head in um, for those 30 days. Um, so this will go back to people asking, how much time did you take to study? What did you study? That kind of stuff. So this is when I decided to look into some of those online resources. Um, I know that there are workbooks available people can buy. Um, uh, Amber Rogers is a wonderful resource. I will link her episode as well. Uh, and you should definitely check out. She does coaching and studying for the exam. Uh, but I, I didn't do resources like that. I found like uh, maybe Quizlet or, or flashcards online um, that, again, were not endorsed by CBMT. So there was a lot of nerves in doing that. But I found things like that online that were free that I could study and try and get a better picture of how the exam was structured and what they were looking for and where I went wrong. And this... Um, I'll take another aside here. This is where I realized how ill-prepared I was for the actual exam. So when I was in college, um, our university program went through three department heads during my five years between freshman and finishing my internship. So um, three different people were in charge of the music therapy program in those five years. And other than that, the faculty didn't change much. But one of those people had always structured their class exams uh, for the classes they taught to have questions like, please choose the best answer or what is the most likely or um, questions that indicated some type of spectrum in the answers and you were to choose the best option. And at the time, this infuriated me. I was like, why is this professor making her exams like this? This is like trickery and no one else does this and this doesn't make any sense. Why does she have to make this so difficult? And assuming the exam hasn't changed much <laughs> since the last time I took it, uh, that's how the questions were structured on the exam, the board exam. Um, to pick the best answer or the most likely to occur or um, just the questions were structured in ways that it wasn't black or white always. It wasn't what is the correct answer or what is this theoretical framework or what year, you know, the other, other exams that... Um, exam type questions that I and perhaps you were much more uh, used to seeing on any type of school test. So again, in hindsight, that professor was best preparing us to take the board exam because she was making her classroom tests in the same light as the CBMT exam. And we did not know that at the time. We didn't have the foresight. We didn't understand why she was doing it. And it was never pointed out to us that this is what this is preparing you for. It's not here to trick you. It's to prepare you for the board exam. Um, so if that person is listening, <laughs> thank you. I, I believe you'll know who you are if you are listening to this episode. So, yeah, where was I? 
I was finding resources online. I was doing these flashcards. We'll get into how much did I study and for how long. So um, (laughs) this time of my life, I lovingly refer to as my retirement, my pre-retirement. I had finished my internship. I had um, 30 days to take this exam and I was scheduled to start working with clients on say, you know, day 40. Um, so I knew that I had these 30 days to, to be retired. I didn't have other obligations other than to study for the exam. And I know everyone studies differently. Everyone works differently. But for me, I studied for one hour a day for those 30 days. Um, and it worked. (laughs) I passed the second time. So a part of that, and I recently listened to a podcast with Cal Newport where he talked about deep work. Um, which is a book I have on my list to read but have not read. But essentially for that hour of studying, I had no distractions. I uh, was very diligent about what I was doing. I tracked my progress over the course of the 30 days. I looked at the domains and I looked again at that pretest and how the exam was structured and what the different areas I would be tested on were. And um, I looked up why and ways that the test questions were worded that typically tripped people up and likely had tripped me up in the first place. And um, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of what I did. Um, and I would cap my studying at one hour a day. I knew my limits. I knew that anything beyond that would um, cause me to kind of hyperfixate and panic and feel that I would never have enough information and never be get it right. And um I've always been that kind of a test taker, I guess, where I, in school, in college, I would say, okay, I'm going to study for 30 minutes, and at the end of that 30 minutes, I'll be done for the day, and I will let my brain process that information. Um, and if you know anything about sleep, uh, it's it's to study a little bit and then sleep allows your body to process that information more and solidify the, the context um, and the concepts excuse me, so that when you wake up the next day, uh, you're able to apply those and then build on them, where if you were to crash study everything at once, um, it would all kind of be more wishy-washy in your mind. So that's what I did for that 30 days, studied a little bit at a time, would circle back maybe once a week and uh, see if I had remembered anything, retained information, and uh, it worked. Um, I'll say this, so um, I want to I I want to share with you some other uh, journal entries I had from this time, again, to be authentic and vulnerable, because these these were my in-time thoughts. Most of this episode will be me dictating what I remember, but um, these journal entries are my real-time thoughts. I I wish I had journaled more at this time, honestly. I think I was just getting back into journaling, um, and so I'm grateful to have these entries, but wish wish I had more. These are some prompts that I have written. I'm not going to tell you the answers, but if you're looking for some journal prompts and doing some soul searching at any time or while prepping for the exam, these are some things that I wrote uh, for prompting myself. When have I done something that I thought I couldn't do? Kind of to empower myself there. What can I do to take better care of myself? And then where do I want to live my ideal life? Yeah, those are some prompts. Um, 
and then uh, I have a what I labeled in my journal as a CBMT exam visualization. So for those of you who don't know, I was an athlete in college. I was uh, a swimmer and I swam long distance events and I swam the IM. For anyone who's not a swimmer, you might know that uh, you, uh, those those are some of the most grueling events that people don't want to swim and because um, they're hard and they're long and they take a lot of focus and endurance. And visualization is a practice that I started learning during my college swimming career to help me get through these races um, so that when I got to that point in the race where things were hard and I was ready to give up and I was tired and couldn't focus, I had already done it in my head when I had done visualizations. I already knew I'm going to get to this point and I already knew how to handle it because I had visualized how to handle it, what to tell myself, what to do, how to recenter and refocus. Um, there have been lots of studies that show visualization um, when you do visualization in the brain the brain cannot necessarily distinguish your vis your visualization from reality so when you have gone through a visualization your brain assumes that this is an experience that you have already had so when you go and live that experience for real your brain is familiar with it it knows what to do um, kind of just like if you're working with a new group or a new client for the first time, everything is new and you know, you're know you going, trying to figure out everything and excuse me, your brain is probably working a mile a minute. But as you get familiar and comfortable with that person and, and their needs and their um, their behaviors is not the word I want to use, but their, their rituals, the way they do things, their mannerisms, um, it's familiar and you know how to react. So Anyway, that's a little about visualization. It's a tool I had been using at the time and used for the exam. So I'm going to read you my visualization and um, would encourage you to do your own for either taking the exam or any other thing in life that uh, is, is challenging you a little bit. One more thing before I start reading this is um, when you do a visualization, you want to take as much into account as possible. Um, all of your senses and the potential thoughts and anxieties that might come up, you might find that while you're doing the visualization, um, real world emotions and reactions come up in your body. And so that, that's just good because it's an opportunity to, to work through them. Um, and having said that, I had already taken the exam once and was uh, a little more familiar <laughs> with how the situation would go. And that definitely set me up for success in doing this. So my visualization reads as such. I am dressed in layers and am comfortable in the temperature of the room. I feel grounded in my chair. Ambient noise does not distract me. I e easily acknowledge it and return my focus to the exam. I read the questions carefully. I select my answers with care. I recognize words and phrases in questions and answers that are, quote, tells. I easily recall theorists, stages, psych terms, music vocabulary, and music theory. I remember to select the answer that CBMT is seeking, even if it may not be my desired answer. I take breaks as needed, breathing, light stretching, bathroom, water, etc. I do not rush or feel pressured by time. I am patient, slow, thoughtful, and methodical. I am calm and present. I am not anxious. I trust that I have prepared well and have the knowledge to choose the correct answers. 
I finish and graciously accept my results. I have passed with recognizable improvement. I am humble and grateful. So in this, you can kind of see that um, a lot of my focus is on uh, focusing (laughs) in general uh, in not rushing. Anyone who knows me from school knows that I was a very fast test taker. My feeling was always, I have the knowledge and I'm going to spit it back out on the test and anything I don't know, I won't learn (laughs) in the time. So I'm not going to waste my time staring at the blank piece of paper. So I was always a fast test taker. And in this visualization, you can hear that I was reminding myself to, to not do that. Um, to give my mind those breaks, to to take a second to think of answers. Um, and, and I only once mentioned that my own recall for information, but several times in this visualization, I mentioned um, working with the exam per se, or, or catching things or recognizing things um, and picking the answer that was desired of me, not the answer that I would desire to use in any situation listed <laughs> on the exam. So yeah, I, I hope that that, that is helpful for, for anyone listening. Um, and maybe you can create your own visualization of, uh, what you would like to happen when you, when you take the exam. There is of course a much larger conversation going on, uh, around about the exam obviously I touched on it with my little disclaimer at the beginning um this episode again is in no way to to bash the exam um I agree that there there should be some gatekeeping in our profession um you know that's why we're able to say that we are music therapists and a person who walks in off the street with a guitar uh you know what sets us apart and and right now part of that is this exam Um, And we're very fortunate that this is standardized across the country because there are many professions, um, teaching for example, where it's different exams state to state. So I live in a place where the states are small and close together and if a person is changing jobs and happens to cross state lines, which is not uncommon, they suddenly need a whole new set of credentials. So I am very grateful that the CBMT exam is... um, nationally certified in nationally certifying <laughs> for us um and yeah don't think it's the best solution long term but right now this is where we're at so if you are um preparing for the exam the first time i will uh, i drop amber rogers in the show notes i'm not going to drop any of the other resources i had used one because they're probably not relevant anymore (laughs) and two because um i don't remember them (laughs) i don't i don't remember what they are this was this was years ago so oh and i will also say um the exam changes i i don't know exactly how often it changes but you know the 30 days between when i took my first and second attempt Um, The exam was not the same, and I actually found or felt that the, um, there were more questions from certain domains than others the second time around, if that makes sense. Now, I, I, you can look up on the CBMT website how the exam is actually broken down and the percentage of questions from domains and what have you, um, so that could have just been my interpretation, but uh, I felt that the second time I took it, there was a lot more music theory related questions. 
Anyway, I digress. That's not important. Um, <laughs> so if you're preparing for the exam the first time, the second time, the fifth time, please know that you can do it. Um, there, there are resources out there to help you. You can, you can do this. Even if you are not a great, great test taker, even if the exam baffles you, uh, even if you have recently failed and you're just going through the emotions and you're in denial, because I certainly was, you, you can so do this. And if you're taking the time to listen to this episode, you deserve, <laughs> you so deserve the MTBC credentials. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, this podcast in this episode, then you obviously care. <laughs> so don't sell yourself short. If you are a professor or a professional listening to this episode, I hope maybe you gained some insight, maybe you had a similar experience or not, so you can, you know, couldn't empathize with people who didn't pass the exam the first time around. Maybe this gave you, um, you know, just some insight to what that might be like. And uh, I am not going to tell anyone how to structure their um, college courses or anything, but I obviously shared my my little bit there about my one professor who was trying to prepare us for the exam and the way she did her tests and we were unable to recognize that at the time so um i know there are plenty of people in the music therapy community professors talking about how do we prepare our students better um because you know again this is the system we have set up how do we prepare them to succeed in this system um I hope this episode starts a conversation. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to see a conversation go, you know, potentially in our Facebook group, just because that's the easiest place for me to watch correspondence. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll start a thread there. Please feel free to share your experiences or to just comment what you think. Um, Again, I, I used to have a lot of shame around this topic, and maybe if you failed the exam, you did too, or you still do, and I I don't know. I just don't anymore. Um, I, I know the exam is hard, um, and possibly potentially hearing so many people who um, are, again, much smarter than I am talk about the ways that the exam does not set us up for success maybe that has empowered me to talk about it um, because I feel like it maybe has a little less to do about me why I didn't pass the first time and that could totally be my perception to feed my ego who knows <laughs> um, but yeah thank you listener uh, so much for taking the time to listen to my story um to listen to my voice for a whole episode. This is a new experience for me. I, again, I'm, I'm challenging myself to do this at least once a quarter, and I hope that you find just as much value in these episodes as any of the other ones, um, and that my thoughts and insights are thought-provoking for you, perhaps inspiring, uh, perhaps infuriating, in which case, dig into that and, uh, you know, why? Why is that? But I, I will leave you, leave you there for today. And we'll finish with this mantra. This isn't happening to me. It's happening for me.